Trinity Baptist Church, a community growing in faith, obedience, and joy. <laughs> Those are my feet. <laughs> Once, I was desperate for a family where I felt loved and secure. I was trapped in loneliness and depression and a desperate need for validation. Then Jesus found me, and he gave me joy, showed me what true love is, and he also gave me a family, his family, in which I am loved, relevant, and validated. I came to understand what his death on the cross meant for me personally, that everything that I am and everything I need are found only in him. Today, I rest securely in his love for me, and I'm grateful for my many brothers and sisters, parents, nieces, and nephews. My name is Janet Stewart, and I'm a grateful follower of Jesus Christ. Our scripture today is from John 15, verses 9 through 17. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. Word of the Lord. Thanks, Janet. For those of you who don't know, Janet is our director of youth ministry um, from 6th grade to, to 12th grade, so pray for her. If you are visiting with us this morning, again, as James said earlier, I'm, we're thrilled that you're here. Let me just tell you what we've been doing for the last number of weeks and, and some reason behind it. In this, um, when we get to this sermon time, we've been doing a what we're calling small group conversations. And we do them right at the beginning and then toward the end. And I give you kind of a softball question at the beginning just to get you talking about kind of the topic of the day. And then we dig a little bit deeper toward the end. So I'd like for you to get in groups of three or four. And we um, didn't introduce ourselves earlier. So do that first. Just, um, in fact, why don't you do that? Turn and get in groups of three and four and just introduce yourself. Hi, I'm so-and-so. Okay, now here's the here's what I want here's what I want us to do r- r- right here for a couple minutes. So I want you to do a little joy, a little personal joy assessment, and and to do that, I want you to give yourself a rating. Give yourself an S if you're superior in joy. Give yourself a P if you're pretty darn good, and give yourself an N if you need improvement. Okay, now to get you thinking about where you stand on joy, let me just give you some questions that you can consider. Um, 
what is your current irritability factor? And if you're not sure, maybe the person next to you can tell you. Um, (laughs) Are you more inclined to speak words of complaint or gratitude? How often did you laugh this week? How much fun did you have? Are you able to choose joy in times of frustration or difficulty? Do you find yourself, even now, rationalizing your lack of joy? So give yourself a letter, S, P, or N, and then turn to your new friends and tell them how you rated yourself and why. You've got about two minutes. Ready, go. You can... You, there's a lot of joy going on back there right now. So here's, let me tell you why, let me tell you why we're talking about joy today. If you haven't been with us, this is, um, this is the seventh week in our series Mission Possible in which we're looking at the mission that Jesus gave to his followers and that is to make disciples. But more specifically, we are looking at the mission of our church And hopefully by now, we've been repeating it so often, it's kind of sinking in and you can probably recite it with me. And if you can, then let's do. Trinity is an international and multi-generational community dedicated to making disciples of Jesus Christ who are growing in faith, obedience, and joy as we go out to advance God's kingdom. Okay, so the core, well done. Oh, yeah, you're reading. Um, so, so the core of that, the hub of the mission is making disciples. And so we've talked a lot about what a disciple looks like because how can we make them if we are not them? Um, so we need to be disciples before we can make disciples. And we've been talking about the components of that because if that's the hub, then From the hub, these five spokes radiate of community, which James talked about a few weeks ago, faith, we'd looked at two weeks ago, obedience last week, and this morning we're looking at joy. And then the next two weeks we're going to talk about what going out looks like. So um, this morning we're looking at joy. If you ask people what they want in life, most people will say, I just want to be happy. I would submit that what they really want is joy because happiness is circumstantial. I mean, the etymology of happiness comes from this old English word hap from which we get our words perhaps or happenstance. Happiness is something that comes and goes with the circumstance. When we're in school, we think we'll be happy when we graduate and get a job. We graduate and get a job and we what? Want to be back in school, right? So when we're single, we think we'll be happy when we get married and then we get married. And we want to be single again, you know? We think when we don't have kids, when we have kids, we'll be happy and then you have kids. You get the point. All of those things are circumstantial and, and, and the emotion of it ebbs and flows with the season. Joy, on the other hand, is this, this state of being. It goes much deeper than happiness. 
And that's really where we want to live. And the good news about that is that joy is at the heart of God's plan for us. Jesus said in in John 10.10, he said, I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. What is a full life if not a joyful life? Right? And John 15, the text that we're going to look at this morning, he said, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. See, Jesus' plan for us is that we would have joy in life. In fact, when he talks about the kingdom of God, he talks about the kingdom, this kingdom life that he came to offer. And he says that, talks about a man who, who found a treasure. And so um, he went and, and hid that treasure, treasure in a field. And it says, in his joy, he sold all that he had so that he might go and buy that field. Now, was the guy sad that he sold everything? No, he was thrilled to do it because the kingdom of God brought such joy to him. Um, I think it's safe, safe to say that every single person would rather be glad than sad. We, we would much rather be around joyful people than sad people. Right? All of us desire joy. The problem is we tend up looking for it in all the wrong places because we confuse joy with happiness. Joy is at the heart of who God is. And we will never, ever understand the the significance of joy in the human life until we understand its importance to God. I believe that the most that most people seriously underestimate God's infinite capacity for joy and his desire for us to live in it. So the question is, as a follower of Jesus, how do we live in the joy that Jesus promises? Well, that's what Jesus teaches in John chapter 15. Um, Now, the verses that I want us to really focus on this morning are the verses that immediately precede the verses that Janet read for us just a few moments ago. And as I read these verses, I want you to listen for a word that Jesus repeats over and over in this teaching. All right? So listen for it. This is uh, John 15, starting in verse 4. Jesus said, remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and uh, remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. 
And friends, there's just one thing that a branch is supposed to do. Did you catch the word that kept coming up? Remain. As a branch, that's your job. To remain. I like the old uh, translation of this word, abide. You just abide in Jesus. And as you remain in him, as you abide in him, that nourishment, that life, that love just flows into you. And you know what happens? You become fruitful. Now, imagine with me for a moment that you are a, are a branch on a fruit tree. Okay, go with me on this. All right? You're a branch on a fruit tree. As a branch, what would make you joyful? To bear fruit, right? Why? Because that's your job. Because that's what you were created for. That's your purpose in life. We all know that to be true. When we are doing that thing that we were created to do, what do we feel? Joy. Regardless of the circumstance, regardless of what's going on around us, if I'm doing that thing that God has wired me for, there's something inside of me that just says, man, I was created for this. What Jesus is saying is, when you abide in me, I help you to do that thing that you were created to do. I help you to bear fruit. And when you bear fruit, it produces joy. Now, Jenna and I didn't talk before this morning's service and and what she was going to say. But what she was talking about in experiencing the, the love of God and really grasping how much God loves you. If you don't remember anything else we talk about this morning, remember what Jenna was leading us to. Remember that the Father's love for you, that God's love for you, that Jesus' love for you is so overwhelming that you just, it never gives up, never never runs out on me. His love never fails. Um, Jesus says this, As my Father has loved me. How much do you think the Father loved Jesus? A little or a lot? (laughs) Yeah. As my Father has loved me, I love you. Now remain in my love. What we have to understand is no matter what we've done, no matter how badly I've blown it no matter how much I've sinned, no matter how inadequate I feel. The Father loves the Son, and that's the way the Son loves me. Um, If I showed my my background on this iPad, which I could go to that screen, but then I wouldn't be able to get back to this one. Um, There's a picture on this of my kids. On my phone, the background... Screensaver is a picture of me and my son. 
If you walk into my office, there are pictures of my children all over my office. I look at those pictures a hundred times a day and I never get tired of them. And so when I, when I open up my phone and I see the picture of me and Benjamin, do you think it reminds me of the time that Benjamin disappointed me? When I look at, on the iPad and I see all, all of my children there, do you think I think, well, she screwed up and he screwed No, I look at these pictures of my kids and my heart is warm toward them. And I am blessed because I get to be their dad. I, I have love for them. Friends, when you read John 15, what you need to read is that you are on God's screensaver. That he's got pictures of you all over his office in heaven. He's showing your pictures to the angels until they're tired of looking at them. Because he loves you. And when he sees you, he doesn't think, oh, how... Keith has messed up this time. No. As the Father has loved me, so I love you. Friends, do you know what the most frequent frequent promise in the Bible is? It's not the promise of forgiveness of sins, though we cling to that one. It's not the promise of heaven, though we really cling to that one. It's the promise that God says, I will be with you. I will be with you. Do not be afraid. I will be with you. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death... I will not fear, for thou art with me. The primary story of the Bible that are the most amazing phrase. One of the, some of the most amazing phrases in, in the Bible is where it says, God was with Adam and Eve. God was with Abraham. God was with Moses. God was with David. God was with Mary. God was with Paul. When Jesus came... The name that he was given was the name Emmanuel, which means God with us. See, now it's our turn. The primary story of the Bible is not the story of people's desire to be with God. It is the story of God's desire to be with people. And Jesus is saying, now you have the Holy Spirit. Now everything is, po- uh, is possible. Abide in me. Remain in me. Stay connected to me. And the most wonderful thing will happen. You will be fruitful. Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. And you know what happens when we remain in his love? Verse 10, if you keep my commands, 
You will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. Here's the payoff. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. See, what Jesus is telling us is that when we abide in him, when we abide in his love, it leads to obedience, which is what we talked about last week, that when we, when we truly love, then we walk in obedience, And contrary to popular uh, belief, obedience is not some burdensome thing, but obedience leads to a fruitful and thus joyful life. Why? Because Jesus' joy comes into us. It just makes sense. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus... Be an apprentice. We've talked about this. You become like him, right? And as you become like him, you do the things that he does, which is being obedient. And when you do the things that he does, what happens in you is you begin to have the attitudes that he has and you begin to experience the life as he did. And that means you get his Joy. Jesus was known as a joyful man, and that's part of the reason that people love to be around him. Um, and his goal for us is that we abide in him, and as we abide in him, we, he enables us to do the thing that we were created to do to fulfill the purpose he gave to us, and when we do that, we experience joy. It's just how it works. We experience this authentic, God-honoring, truth-embracing, pain-defying joy that we were made to live in. Now, I can't make myself be joyful, but I can choose to abide in Jesus. And when I abide in Him, then the joy comes. And you say, well, Keith, how do I know that God is a joyful God? If you read through the Old Testament, you will see all of these commands throughout the Old Testament where God very specifically instructs Israel that they are to sing, they are to dance, they are to celebrate, they are to have festivals. Why? Because God wants them to celebrate the life that he's given them. It's not an option for them. It's a command. God says, I want you to celebrate life. I want you to step into it. Jesus, when you read the story of Jesus in the Gospels, what did the Pharisees get ticked off at him about mostly? Hanging out with sinners, right? Jesus was always going to parties with sinners. He loved parties. In fact, his first miracle was turning water into wine so that he could continue a party. They ran out of wine. The party was going to come to an end. And Jesus, no, we're going to keep this thing going. Right? Jesus wants us to step into this 
joy-filled celebration of life. The psalmist said, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This day is the day that God has given us. Can you imagine what would happen in our world if one of the primary characteristics that people associated with Jesus' followers was joy? You think that we would do a better job of making disciples if we were joyful people? When people heard the word Christian, instead of associating it with, the, with you know, being arrogant or being judgmental, judgmental Christians, what if the first word that came to their mind was joy? Those people are joyful. What if that was a hallmark of our church? What if, and I got people looking at me like this. <laughs> what if when people walked in to our church, visitor walks in, somebody who's not really a church person, doesn't really know the Bible, walks in feeling kind of messed up, and they walk in here and they don't understand a word that we say or a word that we sing, but what they do feel is joy. Would there be a difference? I think so. But you say, Keith, sometimes I just don't feel joyful. I get that. But you know what? Jesus commanded the disciples in the midst of persecution. He said in Luke chapter 6, he said, Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. Why? Because of the circumstance? No. Because great is your reward in heaven. You see... Joy is not a feeling. It's something that we can step into when we abide in him. Paul said to the Philippians, rejoice in the Lord how often? Always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Paul said to the Thessalonians, he said, be joyful when? Always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. The Apostle Peter spoke of joy as a given for the followers of Jesus. 1 Peter 1, verses 8 and 9. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You see, Peter is saying the reason that a Christian can experience joy regardless of circumstances because our joy is based on objective reality, not subjective feeling. And the objective reality is That God loved me so much, he died for me. God loved me so much that he saved me so that I might be in eternal relationship with him. The objective reality is so much deeper than the subjective feelings that a circumstance might bring. We see this in the first Christians who suffered joyfully. 
The book of Acts tells us that the apostles were flogged for their testimony and they left prison rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering for the name of Jesus. They left prison after being flogged. They got the scars to prove it. Circumstantially, there's nothing to rejoice over. And yet there was something, there was an objective reality in their relationship with God that went beyond those circumstances. You see, the the joy of the Jesus follower is anchored in the facts of faith, not circumstances. Christ has come, Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ is coming again. My sins are forgiven, my hope is sure, nothing can separate me from the love of Jesus. These are the fixed qualities of faith amid changing circumstances. You see, when we abide in Jesus, these are the truths that take root in our soul. And as they take root in our soul, no matter what life throws at us, we can experience joy. So how do we live in joy? We put our faith in Jesus, our confidence in who he is and that what he says is true, and we abide in him. And as we abide in him and experience his never-changing love, we become more and more like him in how we live. We live in obedience. And when we live in obedience, living as Jesus lived, we then experience Jesus' joy which makes our joy complete. Now, I need, you to, I need to tell you that this, this is convicting to me because as many, if not most of you know, Deanne and I have been in a, in a really difficult season. Um, 20 months of headache is not something anyone wants to rejoice over. And there has been a lot of pain. There's, there have been a lot of questions. And yet I can say without qualification that our faith in the Lord has not been shaken. And that there is an abiding that happens in the midst of trial that does not happen otherwise. You see, when, when James wrote, not this James, but Jesus' brother James. <laughs> I love his letters too, but, but you know. When, when James wrote in, his, in the first chapter, he said, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you uh, endure trials of many kinds. Now, how is trial the venue for joy? Well, one, it it produces fruit in us. It produces the fruit of character in us. It grows us. But even more than that, it forces us to abide in a way that we've never abided before. And when we do that, that love and that life and that nurture from the vine just comes and we experience something that we don't experience outside of that. 
when we abide in him, that's when he makes his joy complete in us. Friends, God through the Holy Spirit wants to produce a joy so deep in your soul that it will transcend any pain, transcend any discouragement and any circumstantial problems that you have. When we walk in faith and obedience, we find ourselves, we find our lives filled with loving relationships, with eternal purpose, and a hope that goes beyond circumstance. We find our lives filled with joy. So here's what I'd like for you to do, and I'm only going to give you about three minutes to do this, so you're going to have to do it quickly. I want you to get back in your, in your conversation groups. And, and I, all of us have joy carriers in our life, right? You guys are going, huh? I can't think of anybody. No, there are people in your life that when you're around them, they just breathe life into you, right? So I want you to think of those people for a moment, and I want you to think what characterizes them. What are the character traits in them that that are so life-giving to me? And then I want you to think of some practical ways that you might begin to... um, infuse or, or, or t- work on having those character traits in you. And that's what I want you to share with each other. Not necessarily the person, but hey, there's a person in my life who, who brings joy to me and here's why and here's what I'm going to do to try to um, kind of become more like them. All right, so take about three minutes to talk about that. What I hope you will do, I hope you will, um, you probably didn't really get to the practical stuff. Um, Keep thinking about that and and maybe carry on these conversations downstairs and um, over a cup of coffee. I can't choose happiness. Happiness is circumstantial and it's just going to come and go. But what I can choose is I can choose to abide in Jesus. And abiding in Jesus is going to bring me joy. And the reason why I know that to be true, even though horrible things are going on in this world and difficult things are going on in our life, The reason I know this to be true is that one day, one man, a man named Jesus, who was the most joyful man the world had ever known, this man Jesus went to the cross for the joy set before him. For the joy set before him. He endured the cross, scorning its shame. And when he died on the cross for our sin, when he was buried, everybody thought their joy was buried with him. But then on the third day after he was buried, on the third day, the father said to his son, Jesus, it's time to get up. And Jesus got up. (laughs) And every day since that day has been a great day. 
Every day since that day has been a gift. And so I don't know what's going on in your life, but today is a gift. And if you will abide in him, experience his love, live in his commands, then his joy will be in you and your joy will be complete. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, I am so grateful that I don't have to base my life on what any given circumstance might throw at me. But there is a solid rock on which I can stand. I can stand on the truth of you. And as I stand on the truth of you, as Peter said, there is an inexpressible and glorious joy. Lord, I pray for us this morning that no matter where we are, no matter what we're going through, that we would look to the objective reality of who you are and what you did and that we will know that nothing can separate us from your love. Your love never fails, never gives up, never runs out on us. In Jesus' name, amen.